today on the Tearsheet Podcast. It obviates the need to think about, you know, how many links you need to get to in order to do the thing you want to go do. So if I want to transfer money on uh, my Bank of America app, I've got to click through about five different hyperlinks. Uh, if I want to go do it on US Bank, which use, uses Clink, I just say transfer 100 bucks to Zach, um, and it goes through, right? The, 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 the second, I would argue that the second transaction is, is a lot smoother, easier, and sort of more to the point than the first one, right? Less time for the consumer, cheaper for the bank, everybody wins. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. 18 months ago, there was a lot of talk around voice and the possibilities of using human speech as a new automated channel in financial services. There's less talk now, but the technology continues to improve. Today's guest on the podcast is Clink's John Newhart. He's been around technology a lot over the past 25 years. And as Clink's newly appointed CEO, he's juiced at the opportunity to be able to understand unstructured speech and interpret the underlying meaning of customer support inquiries. Clink provides its customers, primarily banks and financial institutions, with the tools needed to improve their customer support. John Newhart is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So uh, my name is John Newhart. I'm the CEO of Clink. Uh, we're the leader in conversational uh, AI. So if you think about um, having a virtual assistant that's, that's literally like a, like a human in the room, uh, can understand what customers want, uh, keep full context, and again, speak like like we do as human beings. That's uh, that's what we do. And why do that? Like, what's your background? What brought you to to, to found Clink? So um, I'm actually not not a founder. I'm I'm a, a CEO brought in by the okay. by the investors. But I've got um, you know sort of uh, typical as you as you go from like kind of founder stage to uh, to more scalability. So um, uh, I got a, I got a couple of highway miles on me. I spent about uh, the last quarter century in, in technology businesses uh, from, uh, you know, stuff in, the, in Silicon Valley uh, to some bigger companies like Siebel Systems and SAP uh, to running individual businesses. I was the CEO of a company down in Houston uh, from like 2013 to 2018, uh, sold it, stayed on with the acquisition, and then, uh, and then uh, moved on to Clink uh, a few months ago. Awesome. So let me ask that question differently. What was it about Clink that got you to join the CEO? So um, in my, you know, again, quarter century or so in technology, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger idea, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the quip I've been telling friends is like, you know, Clink ultimately will only sell to customers or to companies uh, that want to interact with their customers by voice, which of course is like a TAM of like the planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, if you, if you talk to a lot of technologists, um, they believe that, uh, you know, in five five to 10 years time, voice will be the primary way that we engage with technology, which is not hard to wrap your, your, uh, your head around. Um, you know, most of us speak uh, a lot faster than we can go ahead and type, um, let alone, you know, thumb on our iPhones. Uh, and so it's just a much easier way to get information to get things done. And then also, if you think about it from a design perspective, um, it obviates the need to think about, you know, how many links you need to get to in order to do the thing you want to go do. So if I want to transfer money on uh, my Bank of America app, I've got to click through about five different hyperlinks. Uh, if I want to go do it on US Bank, which use, uses Clink, I just say transfer 100 bucks to Zach, um, and it goes through, right? The, 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 the second, I would argue that the second transaction is, is a lot smoother, easier, and sort of more to the point than the first one, right? Less time for the consumer, cheaper for the bank, 
everybody wins, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so so I'll tell you one of the things. So Tearsheet has been covering you know virtual assistant space for a while, conversational AI. Um, we we felt like there was sort of a peak, you know, peak conversational AI maybe eighteen months ago. Um, we saw some of the large banks launch, you know, branded um, like Erica at Bank of America, um, and then and yep. then things kind of went quiet. So can, can you maybe take us through? At least quiet from our perspective, meaning we're not hearing more from the banks about what's happening with them. It, it, it's almost like there was an explosion and then everyone's just like quietly working on stuff. Like, can you at least take us through, I guess, that, tr- that trend? Like, what's, what's happening behind the scenes that's, that's – can you point to? Does that make any sense? Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. No, totally. No, absolutely. I think, there, I think there's two things. I think one is that trend is not atypical for the way the technology is adopted generally, Right. Um, and so, you know, we're a specific interest of a more general trend in that regard, and there's, there's nothing special about that. No offense to us. Um, there's a uh, there's a second piece, I think, which is, um, you know, in the last six months or so, COVID has had an interesting effect on the market. Um, what we found is individual banks uh, moved more slowly, but the market accelerated, which is a very weird dichotomy. Um, and so what we're finding is... Um, that uh, the level of interest from major banks um, has actually spiked up considerably. Um, we're deep in pipe with an, a number of really large retail banks, um, primarily here in the States, um, that have kind of looked at the first wave of, uh, of digital assistance, kind of learned the lessons, uh, and are trying to do that second mover advantage piece very effectively. Um, and so I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, maybe an example of that. It, and, and you mentioned Erica. So the... Um, the data that, I, that I've seen, the public data that I've seen on Erica is um, about four years to go ahead and build, uh, kind of built from scratch, homegrown, mm-hmm. uh, about $300 million or so to go do it. Um, and the data that we had, the data we have is a little bit old, so I, I, um, uh, I want to make sure that, that uh, I don't overstate the case, uh, was that the containment rate on Erica was about 35% or so. Um, um, and that data, what does that again, speak to? Probably, What's containment rate? Oh, I'm sorry. Containment rate basically means I engage with Erica. I can do the things that I want without having to either go into the app or call mm. the call center or whatever else, right? So 35% um, of all activities could could be resolved within Erica. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, U.S. Bank launched, uh, uh, we call it a voice forward uh, uh, digital application with Clink uh, over the summer. Um, and you know we're you know we're deep neural networks, so we you know we should be getting better over time. Um, even a few weeks into it, they're getting 92 percent, right? Mm. Um, so much better experience. By the way, they did it in about a fifth of the time, so 10 months instead of 48, um, and they did it for one twentieth of the cost, right? So now you go like, okay, well, what am I going to do as a major bank for so that some of the digital upstarts, right? Um, I've got to go ahead and transform my business. You know, if this was a painful thing, right, the risk reward is on some certain part of the continuum. You have to do it at some point in time, but it wouldn't accelerate. Now the economics have improved a lot, particularly if you use something like Clink, frankly. Um, and that's commingled with, oh, by the way, there's COVID, right? So, like, um, I live in Michigan. Um, my branches have been closed for the last six months. When I call my call center, I've got wait times between 38 and 54 minutes, Right. Um, so, but I, you know, uh, not to overvalue my time or, but like 54 minutes is on a wait is like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather just not, Go to the dentist. Rather just not engage, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, 
you know, by contrast, you could do this by, you know, by voice and make it really compelling, right? So the only way to really go to go do anything with a bank these days is is digitally. Um, you know, again, it's a lot easier to go do that, you know, uh, in a voice forward kind of way. Um, and and so now we're seeing the, you know, to your point in the trough of like not doing, you know, you get the first movers, the first movers do their thing. You get this trough where everyone kind of learns. And now we're getting all the second movers who frankly can do it, you know, uh, cheaper, faster and better. Um, and so we're starting to see that uptick right now. So that makes sense. We're going through that trough. Is there something inherent about the tech? Has the technology um, significantly advanced over those past four years? Um, the technology's gotten a little bit better. I think the, the bigger pieces, like the the, the kind of banks wrapping their head around how best to go do it, mm. uh, meaning that there's no um, uh, that you can go get stuff off the shelf. And I liken it to like, and again, this is a typical tech thing. If you if you roll back, I'm old enough to think about like you know, MRP things back, you know, MRP systems back in the day, like companies used to write those things and think like that's what you do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and instead of going to like at the time Bond or SAP and now Oracle and, you know, NetSuite and such to go do those things. Um, I think banks are kind of wrapping their head around, oh yeah, actually there's, there's stuff off the shelf that we can kind of plug and play into the rest of our enterprise architecture um, in a way that's, that's not onerous to the other things that we're doing uh, on the back end, and is complementary to some of the other digital transformations we're making inside of our of our bank, um, and it just is going to it just makes a whole lot more sense, right? So yeah, it does. So so can we talk about the Clink platform? You call it a platform. So I assume the the platform is what's off the shelf, and then a bank has the ability to kind of build their own agents on it. Is that is that is my understanding correct? Yeah, no, that, that's a good understanding. I, I might I might pull that thread a little more, which is um, one of the things that we've seen, and maybe this also explains sort of, uh, you know, the usability as opposed to necessarily the core tech. Um, what we've found in talking to customers is there's a lot of things that most customers want to go do. So I use transferring money. Um, that's a very typical thing that people want to go do, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they do that in their apps, they do this online, Bizarrely, people call for call centers for such things. Um, and so, uh, you know, building that competency out of the box just makes the ability to uh, implement uh, conversational AI that much faster. So we've already we've built a, um, a small library of competencies so that if you're, you know, a major bank or even a digital upstart, um, you can go ahead and use those competencies largely off the shelf. Um, and just be able to move faster. Does that make sense? It does. And so, so at what point does it become integrated? So somebody goes through, say, a, a money transfer um, competency. Um, you know, they, they've, they've determined what they want to do. Now there's some message that gets shot to the back office or to the core um, banking software. Like, what, what, what do the hooks look like? Yeah, there's, a, there's exactly what you would think. There's, a, there's sort of a front-end hook to the you know, in, in what experience are you going to embed it? Are you going to embed it into a, a digital app, a website, uh, into the IVR mm-hmm. um, for a call center app? Because this is the other value proposition is if you're going to build these models, you want to go build it once and deploy in an omni-channel way. Um, uh, so, um, and then the, the, uh, the other piece to your point um, is, you know, sort of the back-end API hooks. So again, like the, you know, what, what is my balance? Uh, transfer money, et cetera. Those things are going back into core banking apps. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we integrate into those things. 
Um, the other thing we found is, um, you know, the major banks, the, the, the large uh, banks are moving now. They realize that, you know, both the economics of the, digital, of the need to digitally transform and, frankly, also the competitive threat. Um, and COVID, again, is like, you know, delayed, you know, getting organized, but also accelerated the, oh, geez, we really don't have a lot of branches these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, um, so that, that's kind of accelerated the trend. We also try to do, but you know, if you're a large uh, global bank, you have you know a lot of IT staff around. If you're a credit union uh, in Piscataway, New Jersey, right, you probably don't have a large IT staff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the IT staff that you have is probably a little bit more uh, quotidian, right? Um, and so what we're trying to do for those folks is uh, work with partners like Fiserv um, and pre-build the integration to the Fiserv stack. Mm. So that we are literally a plug and play, right? Um, and, and make you know keep that you know keep that super simple for uh, uh, you know for for smaller banks, for credit unions, et cetera. So you mentioned some of the the competencies uh, are already, uh, John, and um, I'd love to hear like sort of what the, today's use cases are and where you think some of these use cases might go, like in the future. No, that's awesome. I think the um, um, a, a bank like U.S. Bank built about f- uh, 40 competencies, 40, um, and some of you know uh, some of those were you know things that Clint had built off the shelf, and some of them were were, were things that they built themselves. Um, some of those things would I would categorize as sort of informational, like you know uh, what do I have in my balance? Um, um, some of them are transactional, like you know pay a bill, transfer mm-hmm. money, uh, either from you know zelling or equivalent uh or you know from my checking to my savings or whatever or vice versa um and um the the interesting thing too is is uh um when u.s bank built this they built a bunch of competencies and they basically tested internal and they found a lot of people were asking the digital assistant what can you do which they didn't have an answer for they didn't build a competency around that um so so they're like oh geez you know we should yeah, it's right. So, so, they, so not surprising, they built a competency around it. And when they rolled it out live, the very first question that they got was, what can you do, right? Um, so there are some things like that that are just sort of, you know, there's, there's nothing like putting it out there and using it to understand uh, what consumers really want uh, and, and being able to be super nimble about those sorts of things. So, so do you imagine that those use cases moving from, like you said, more information, a little bit transactional to, I guess, deeper, more complex use cases in the future? Yeah, I think there's there's a few. Um, yes. Uh, so um, one of the interesting things about um, digital transformation is, um, again, personal opinions. I, I believe that these things will become force multipliers. So you have, um, you know, you can look at consumer data and, and kind of give them advice, nudges, et cetera, about uh, things that they can go do for, uh, you know, to improve their experience, to improve their credit scores, you know, uh, maybe banking products that they that they need, but they don't realize that they need. Um, and integrating that into a digital assistant makes total sense. There's no reason why the digital assistant uh, needs to be reactive. There's no reason it can't reach out um, and um, and interact with a customer based on um, uh, what other AM models are doing uh, on the back end, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's one piece. Um, one of the other things that we've seen that, that I, I think is super interesting is one of our earlier customers um, is a bank called Ishbank. It's, a, it's the largest bank in Turkey. Bizarrely, it was founded by uh, Kemal Ataturk, who also founded 
Turkey. Um, so, um, so um, they've done some really interesting things. They they've uh, they've branded their virtual assistant um, so that the, the the virtual assistant is, sort of has a a fun personality, if you will. They they run adverts uh, on on uh, on the digital system, which they call Ma uh, Maxi. But Maxi will do things that kind of engage customers in a way that makes it super sticky, like. Um, turns out like your bet your bank knows when your birthday is so mm -hmm. if you log in right or the first time you log in either on your birthday or after your birthday it wishes you a happy birthday right mm. so super simple stuff um but kind of makes it interesting uh they'll do you know simple gamification things about like how often you logged in or you know what's, what's the thing that you've done the most or who do you pay the most or stuff like that um even if it's not asked just to kind of make the the experience a bit more fun and engaging so um, it's just one of these things where, like, you think about, like, hey, you, sometimes you get some downtime, you're a little bored, you may go to your phone and play a simple game. Um, they're finding customers will call in the maxi just for, like, effectively just for, like, fun and to, to pass the time, which I think is super interesting. Um, and it's also helped them, you know, uh, do other sorts of branding type things. So the the uh, maybe to your point, I think we're we're still very much in the early days of this, right? Mm -hmm. Most uh, most global banks still don't have virtual assistants out. Um, you know, it's, it's much like anything else where like you get it out, you see the benefit, then you see like, Oh, here are a couple other use cases to deepen the experience again, either with consumer data or uh, the way the digital assistant works a la Ishbank. Um, and then basically the things you can go do start to become extraordinarily interesting. Um, and you start to like legitimately virtualize the bank and make it, you know, scalable in a way that, you know, the digital upstarts truly are. That, that's really interesting. So, so John, who are, who's the, who's the user of, of virtual assistants? Like, it sounds like at least in Turkey, you're talking those, it sounds like more like a younger demographic that's sort of, you know, in, engaging with it. Like who, who, who's more like, like who are most likely to use virtual assistants if they to choose that channel? So, so um, the demographic is actually fairly broad. The interesting piece is how it's used, right? It's so, so from a, uh, for the digitally native, there's a different uh, way of using it and a different, frankly, a different set of expectations for the technology. So I like it sometimes. So, um, oh, you know, uh, my parents know Siri, right? But for them, Siri is like a, you know, it's like, go play, you know, go play Bob Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's an engagement with Siri. When, um, you know, younger, a younger demographic is engaging with, maxi or equivalent right they're having a conversation with with the virtual assistant right so the language is super sloppy it's sometimes a heavy use of slang right um it's a little bit of this a little bit of that sometimes i'll just go ahead and do things to go mess with the virtual assistant just kind of cuz um and the cool thing is um you know companies like ishbank that are also figuring out i mean because we have this built into our stack what are the what are the things that people are asking for that are falling out like if you've got a you know 92% containment rate, Ishbank's is actually slightly higher. Um, what are the things that are not contained? What are the what are the questions or the interactions that are falling out? And then they go back and they build those competencies. So the the experience keeps getting richer and richer. Um, and those those experience tend to be from a younger demographic. But the the total use of it is like surprisingly ubiquitous, right? Yeah, I love that. In the remaining time that we have. Um... Can, I'd love to hear what you're working on for the rest of this year, looking out in 2021. We're almost there already, thank God. Um, you know, <laughs> what, what, some of your biggest priorities, whether product side, you know, go to market side, like what's, what's on your plate? 
Yeah, so we're um, um, I'm constantly reminded that nothing is done till it's done. Um, uh, you know, being the you know being the sort of the, the second stage CEO that's sort of like you know really about scaling the business effectively. Um, you know, my concerns tend to be more uh, prosaic, pragmatic sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So the things that I'm really worried about um, uh, and the things that we're really focusing on are on the scalability of our business. Um, we're very fortunate that we're seeing a lot of demand. Um, we're currently seeing a lot of demand from the um, large global incumbents as opposed to the digital banks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, you know, sometimes you've got older systems or, uh, or um, enterprise architectures that are in a state of flux. So we want to make sure that we can scale very effectively, particularly in those environments, um, particularly for deployments that are in the tens of millions. Um, Maxi's out to, uh, I think, 10 million or 12 million or so uh, retail customers, U.S. banks out to about six. Um, but there are larger banks out there where it's like, hey, look, you know, uh, talk us through a plan of getting up to 40 million users, right? And so that's it's not rocket science, but it's a level of scale that's slightly bigger than what we're doing today. We want to make sure that we can go ahead and handle that and, frankly, multiple of those at times. So um, we're uh, not surprisingly building up our capabilities from um, how we can go ahead and get customers uh, customers live. Um, there's also, uh, as we continue expanding these, in these, uh, global banks, it starts to become things like, Hey, you know, what about, um, what about other use cases? And some of those use cases get complex. An example of this would be, Hey, um, I lost my credit card, right? So that's a shame. Um, when you lose your credit card, it actually, uh, has, we, we call this, um, uh, multi-intent, meaning like there's a few things you need to do. One right. is you probably want to, like, yeah. you probably want to, or freeze it or something, you probably need a new one. There's probably a series of transactions where like, we should just double check, like no one's used it, Mm. right? Um, And so it actually throws off uh, multiple workflow, which again, like, you know, should, should, you know, if for some reason the person is frazzled or whatever, they lost their credit card. um, You know, frankly, a lot of people lose their credit cards when they're intoxicated. So (laughs) that's another thing. Um, And so we we should have that, that digital assistant, you know, be able to sort of like, calmly take them through the things they need to go do and take great care of them, right? Um, so we're seeing some use cases like that are just has a lot more complexity. Um, we're fortunate that we have a, an insanely powerful algorithm um, that really like understands, like it, it effectively, it's, you know, it's deep neural networks, you know, buzzwordy thing, but like uh, to keep it simple, it, it learns language the way that uh, children do. So mm-hmm. children don't learn language by saying, you know, go and do the, like, this is a noun, this is a verb or whatever, but like, you could make up a word to a kid and use it in a sentence, and the kid will use the will learn how to use that word, that made-up word, as a verb or a noun or an adjective or adverb or however it is that you use it in a sentence. Um, so do that if you feel like messing with your three-year-old, right? Yes. Um, it, but uh, but click click does the exact same thing. So it's it's a very effective way of um, of doing these kinds of things. So we are seeing some complexity in the use cases and what uh, folks want to go do, and we're fortunate that we've got the tech to be able to go do those kinds of things. That's awesome. I have one last question for you. Um, when we think we, you know, we talk a lot about omnichannel. That's also a word that's kind of less used today than it was a year ago. But um, lots of different channels through which customers can reach their financial institution. What role, I guess, in the future do you see um, conversational AI? Do you see that as a dominant role, um, or is it sort of one of a mix of, of different interactions? So. Um... It's tough one, somewhere right? in the continuum between both. No, mm-hmm. it is a totally tough one. Um, um, and, and, and of course, like I, I want to make sure that like, I'm also, uh, 
I, I don't want to be that uh, that CEO that's sort of like you know uh, overdosing their own you know sort of overdosing their own Kool Aid as it were. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing some pretty thoughtful approaches though, so I do think that there's um, there's a lot of customers uh, that are basically telling us we want to we want to go fast and build fast uh, and deploy many channels, right? Um, which kind of goes more to the hey, this is a you know this is a leading interaction way across uh, you know all channels. I won't use omni-channel since you just told me this past day. <laughs> like, um, the, uh, oh, they're they're the cyclical. Piece, the it's cyclical. Piece. Cyclical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, the um, I do think the realistically there like voice has a number of advantages there are also some distinct disadvantages and i think you know um a lot of the uh banks that we're working with are being pretty thoughtful about that so the for instance is hey there's sometimes in a i'm in a crowded place mm-hmm. and voice may be a way to kick off something and not a way to continue to interact you don't want uh sensitive information to be you know you, you don't have to want to be keyed for sensitive mm-hmm. information like in an airport right um it's also harder to multitask like, right totally yeah totally yeah. um the other thing is, is like in the credit card case, for instance, like here are your last seven transactions. You don't want the voice to read it out. You want to, you want it to come across your phone, whether it's an SMS or part mm-hmm. of the app or whatever, depending on how you're engaging. There's just some things that like actually don't make sense for voice, right? Voice is generally better, but not always. Um, and so we're seeing uh, more thoughtful banks uh, do things that, you know, the, the term of art these days is voice forward, meaning that like we want to lead with voice because it's just so much more efficient and a better experience. Um, but where it doesn't make sense, um, you know, we'll at least give customers an op or where it might make, may, might not make sense. We'll at least give customers the option of doing this in a different way. Like again, having the list of transactions pop up on their phone, um, or whatever, that's all, that's all good. So John, this was a fascinating conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Tier Sheet podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks Zach. I appreciate the time and uh, great discussion, man.